This week's TribCast is sponsored by Texas Medical Association. Access to care does not equal access to quality care. No matter where you live, you deserve the highest standard of care. Removing physicians from the healthcare team is not a solution. Find out more at txmed.org. And raise your hand, Texas. No matter what an education voucher is called, the policy is the same. Vouchers divert public funds to private schools and vendors. Find out more at raiseyourhandtexas.org. Hello and welcome to the Texas Tribune Tribcast for May 1st, 2023. Uh, we're coming at you a couple days late as I return from uh, some, some time away from work. My name is Matthew Watkins, Managing Editor of News and Politics for the Tribune. And this week I'm joined by our criminal justice reporter, Jolie McCullough. Hey, Jolie. Hey. Thanks for joining us. Today we are going to talk about the state's troubled juvenile justice process, uh, a topic that has come up on this show before, but has kind of resurfaced in the news uh, due to information about, you know, children being transferred from TJJD, the state's criminal uh, juvenile justice agency, to adult prisons, particularly the case of Joshua Keith Beasley, who uh, recently died by suicide um, in one of those adult facilities. Uh, a, a, a kind of warning ahead of time for listeners, this story might at times veer into, you know, uh, somewhat graphic descriptions of violence or or suicide. So, um, you know, if you are not comfortable hearing that, you this may be an episode you you to, to skip. But um, Jolie, you know, you had a very powerful story last week on this topic. We've talked a little bit about the problems at TJJD before, but for those who might not have heard that, I think maybe we should start by just kind of summing up, you know, what we had already known about this agency and the problems it was facing, particularly last year. Yeah, so last year, the Texas Juvenile Justice Department, TJJD, um, it's five prison, it's five youth prisons around the state. Um, they were struggling with severe understaffing, like historic levels of short staffing. Um, for months, they had less than 50% of their officer roles filled. And this kind of had a, you know, as one would expect, um, negative impact on the youth in these detention facilities. Um, children were locked in their cells for up to 23 hours a day. Um, and in many cases, these are cells where it's very small, just kind of a concrete slab with a mattress, a thin mattress on top. There are no toilets in these cells. So there were children using water bottles. They were using lunch trays as makeshift toilets. Um, they were not getting to go to class for education time. They were getting work packets instead handed to them on their dorms or in their cells. And this um, during this time, we saw self-harm behavior among the youth skyrocket. Um, more and more youth were hurting themselves. Um, there were some spikes at some of the facilities of um, assaults on on staff as well. Um, and this was just it's it was just um, the agency itself said it was it was near total collapse. Um, this was it, as big as an emergency they could even be calling for themselves. Um, they were just they were really struggling and the kids were hurting um, because of it. 
let's let's take a step back very quickly and because help people kind of understand how how and why this agency exists and how it compares to the adult criminal justice system. Um, what is the difference between someone going through, I mean, aside from their age, of course, someone going through the, you know, juvenile justice system compared to what you might experience if you're a, you know, 23-year-old convicted of a felony going going to a state prison or something like that. Or 17-year-old in Texas. Um, yeah, so <laughs> basically what we see here is there's been a lot of changes with how we've handled juvenile justice in the last 15 years or so, given that, you know, these agent, the youth justice agency never really seems to be able to climb out of crisis. Um, it's kind of always in a state of turmoil, just with spikes of intensity with that, which is what we saw last year. Um, and so what we've seen more and more over the last decade or and change is that generally speaking, when a child is um, you know, commits a crime, they are intended to be kept as like as in as shallow in the system as possible. So generally speaking, they're meant to be handled on the local level with local probation departments um, in cases where maybe they just have not been able to get the services they need at the local level or the crime is um, is so violent that they are unable to be adequately watched at the local level. Um, they The last resort is meant to be these juvenile prisons, these five prisons across the state. Um, and so right now, there's in the for the last year and change, there's been fewer than 600 youth in these five facilities. Um, and they to be there, you have to have committed a felony. Um, and generally speaking, your the local officials have have deemed that they can't help you at the on their end, either because of violent behavior, severe mental health needs, um, oftentimes both. Um, so that's kind of where we're at in terms of what these facilities are and who they're meant to handle. And and are we is it a more rehabilitative process than you would see in the adult prisons too? I mean, is is there a different kind of philosophy or approach to to how the people are treated in these? Facilities? Yeah. So the the thing with youth the youth prisons they are meant to be rehabilitative they are meant to be treatment based mm -hmm. um like you know obviously public safety being a factor as well but nowhere in like their mission statement like in their in their description of themselves nowhere does it say punitive whereas you know the adult prison system there's you know discussions of like reentry and rehabilitation but the main point of it is public safety and punishment, right? You're being punished for the crime that you have committed. Um, and so it's, it, they're incredibly different just, you know, from the, from the studs, from the foundation, they're meant to handle these things um, differently. Now, obviously when you get to short staffing and you end up having these kids in severe isolation a lot, um, the way that the, it's changes in practice is obviously different, but the the intention here is this is a rehabilitative environment. This is a treatment-based environment um, versus the adult system, which is a punitive environment. Okay, so with, with that in mind, you you bring up in your story, and we have written separately as well about um, the case of Joshua Keith Beasley. Tell us about him and what he, he went through. Yeah, place. so Joshua Keith Beasley Jr., and this was actually written by a freelancer, Lisa Armstrong. She wrote about him last year when we had our bigger story about how 
what we talked about earlier, how TJJD was nearing total collapse. She had a story on him. Essentially, this is a child who was struggling um, since early childhood with behavioral issues, with, you know, mental health issues. And at age 11, um, was deemed that the best the best solution for him was to be put into um, a TJJD prison. So this is a child who, at age 11, he was originally on probation for vandalism. Um, and then after kicking a school safety officer in violation of that probation, he was sent to a youth prison. Um, in there, he deteriorated. Um, he had countless, countless episodes of self-harm um, during the pandemic when visitation was halted. He wasn't able to see his mom anymore. Um, he was hospitalized um, about a dozen times for self-harm behavior within less than two years. Um, and then obviously there were instances where this is a child with severe mental health needs. He would have some violent outbursts at times. So eventually what happened to him was he, um, in September of last year, was transferred to the adult prison system, essentially because at age 16, um, he had been, you know, charged with the crime of assaulting an officer in um, in the youth prison. So he had hit at he had hit and spit at an officer. Um, and that crime can make you eligible to be, if you've had multiple crimes at this point, it can make you eligible to be um, transferred up to the adult system. And so after age 16, so essentially he turned 16 and TJJD, um, you know, pushed him up to the adult prison system, seemingly, you know, as, as they've said, like they thought it the best decision for him, given that he wasn't succeeding um, in the youth prison system. And within six months, um, he 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 was found um, in his in his cell in at a psychiatric prison and at the adult psychiatric prison, um, and he he died uh, by suicide um, six months after he was transferred up at, at age sixteen still. So it, it's just a tragic story of just a youth entering the system at a very young age. Um, struggling with mental health issues throughout it. And shortly after he was sent up to the adult prison system, um, reportedly he, he took his life. Right. Let's pause for a minute and hear from our sponsors. Texans care for children. Texas moms need health coverage for a full year after childbirth. HB 12 by Representative Tony Rose delivers. Learn more from Texans care for children at txchildren.org. And Texas Conference for Women. Don't miss the latest episode of Women Amplified, featuring barrier-breaking ballerina Misty Copeland and Target EVP and Chief External Engagement Officer Laisha Ward. Find out more at conferenceforwomen.org. Okay, so Julie, we highlighted this story um, because it's an individually tragic story, but also as you have reported, it is an example, a, a very tragic example, of a practice that has become more common in the past year by TJJD, the practice of transferring juveniles under the age of 17 to adult prisons. Tell us, why is that happening? 
Yeah. So it depends. I mean, essentially, as we've said, right, TJJD was in this crisis. Um, they, as the years have gone by, they have narrowed down their population to generally the most difficult population um, to deal with, right? These are the most high needs youth they have e either for behavioral issues or mental health or both, as I said earlier. So this is a generally, generally speaking, a difficult population to work with. Um, TJJD has said that in the last, uh, it, the increase in transfers, which for context, there were 51 um, transfers last year of youth up to the adult prison system. And, you know, again, out of less than 600 youth and the year before in 2021, there were 29 um, of those 51, 12 of them were 16 or 17 compared to five of them being that age in 2021. So this is a big jump. Um, obviously it's small numbers of any of these youth because the TJJD system is meant to handle few youth, but it's a big percentage and it's a big jump and it's a big change. And so basically what we saw was the youth, the youth justice system was, you know, at its just struggling to survive at this point. Um, they were scrambling to recruit and to retain more officers. And, you know, one of the one of the biggest complaints of officers who are leaving is the work conditions, the you know, the dangerous conditions that can come with this job. So in in this in this world, they're increasing transfers. TJJD has said because more more youth are being committed with with um after having after having committed violent offenses. So there's like a more the population itself they're arguing is more violent. But you also hear from some of the lawyers who represent these children at these transfer hearings, and they're saying there there are instances where you see like Joshua Keith Beasley, um, who, yes, he he has was found to have hit an officer, but it's very like it's very clear that this is a, a child with severe mental health issues and he's hurting himself a lot as well. And you also don't know how severe any of these incidents are. For example, I know there's been situations where officers are grievously wounded. Um, you know, they might be end up in the hospital after after an assault from a youth. But there's other instances that I've heard of, you know, a child resisting being restrained or pushed into their cell. And in that resist during that like resistance, um, an officer, you know, might fall down um, or you know, sprain their wrist. Um, and, and these are the same types of cases that you're seeing that are that youth are being pushed up to the adult system. What needs to happen? How, how do they how do they do that? Is it taking it taking getting permission from a judge? Yes. So there's only so many youth who are eligible. Right. And so there are two ways that one enters the juvenile prisons. And one is you're either on a determinate sentence where you've committed a crime that they that you've been found uh, generally speaking it's one of there's a list of crimes that it can be generally serious violent offenses um for example murder aggravated robbery things like that and you've been found in court to say okay it's a juvenile court still but you are sentenced to say up to it can be up to 40 years so say there's a child committed of a of aggravated robbery he gets a 20 year sentence but he's only you know 15 and then before he turns 19 is when he ages out of the youth system. Then there's another hearing um, where that same court decides, okay, do you serve the rest of the sentence in 
prison in the adult prison or do you go now on to parole and that's largely based on how well you have been seemingly how well you've done in the youth prison system the other way is for youth who've the that youth more youth go into the youth prison system having committed crimes that they're never supposed to enter the adult system, right? They're lower level felonies and or um, they've just gotten lesser sentences. So they're supposed to be there at the youth prison system for between at least nine months and two years. And then after that, it's really just up to TJJD officials to say, you know what? Yes, you've completed all the treatment we have on this and you're you're doing well, so you can go now and you're just, you're done. But if you commit another crime within TJJD, you can become eligible for that other offense. And then you're now on, you're now able to be, TJJD is now able to request this transfer, which again has to go before a ju- the, the juvenile court judge who in almost every case a- approves the transfer. And essentially what you're talking about here, and and you have in your story, you have advocates sort of making this point, right, where you have the agency, you know, making the argument that this, this child is too dangerous to be held in, in the youth facilities for whatever reason, committing, you know, crimes, danger to the staff or other children as well. Um, they need to go up to a uh, adult system where there might you know, be fewer services available to help them. But you have the advocates kind of coming back and saying, well, part of the reason they have gotten to this point is because they've been in a facility in an agency where things are making it worse. You know, we we talk about the the um this this individual story, you know, where um, a kid is, you know, starting to do self-harm after he, he's been unable to see his family um, for, from visitations, um, you know, all different kind of people being isolated in their cells, having to use the rest bathroom and in, uh, in water bottles and lunch trays because they can't, you know, leave their cells because of staffing issues and everything like that. And so like this kind of like, um, <clears throat> you know, like vicious spiral, right, where you go to an agency that may make it worsen your mental health crises, which then the agency says, because you're showing these, this behavior in part due to mental health crises, you need to go to an, a facility that might be more dangerous or might have fewer services for you. It, it, it just seems like it's a, a, not a, not a great situation in that realm. It's, it's not, it's a horrible situation all around. Um, and, you know, advocates have argued that this is, a, this is, you know, TJJD saying this is how we're having to move the most disruptive youth so the other youth in our facilities can thrive. Advocates saying this is a way essentially to throw kids away um, and to, you know, to kick the can down the road, um, make it somebody else's problem. And it's, it's, you know, tragic to hear of these situations and where, where this is happening, especially with kids like Joshua. Um, and it's just, you know, in TDCJ, like one of the arguments being, well, they have a youthful offender program. There are currently, or as of last month, there were 34, um, people under 18 who were in the adult prison system. And they're supposed, they have a program for 
you know, they're inmates under 18 and it's meant to be, you know, to have more services like education um, and treatment, but jet, you know, in the in the grand scheme of things, TJ, TDCJ is also always struggling with staffing. Um, and there, you know, Joshua ended up in a psychiatric prison because he had he had hurt himself again once in the adult prison system. They sent him to a psychiatric unit. And what you saw, according to TDCJ, who is now moving to fire um, seven employees at that unit, they there was a level quote level of complacency um, unquote that was essentially unacceptable. They weren't checking on this on this child as much as they were supposed to be. Um, whereas, like you know, in in TJJD, on if if a youth is on suicide watch, essentially they're being checked on every you know, three to 10 minutes at most. Um, and TDCJ said this youth was supposed to be checked on every 15 minutes and then that wasn't happening. So you just get into these really like, it, it, it's a different, it's just a different environment and it's meant for different um, types of people. And you see TDCJ generally has a large number of suicides every year. So this is something that has kind of been baked into like, you know, there is just some accepted level of suicides, but when it's a 16-year-old who was never originally meant to go into the adult system in the first place, I mean, it's just, it's, it's hard to, it's just, it's really, it's really tragic. Yeah, I mean, and we just have this situation, we're in a legislative session right now. Um, there is a lot of focus and attention on child, you know, the welfare of children, the safety of children in this session. And it just like you keep seeing these reminders, whether it's the problems with the state's foster care agency, the juvenile justice agency, that, you know, one of the most dangerous places to be a kid is in Texas is under the custody or responsibility of the state of Texas. And of course, you know, you could argue and, you know, it it, it should be noted in that situation that there's somewhat of a, you know, cause and effect question there right of course because you know these agencies are designed for kids who are at risk and having problems but there just continues to be evidence that the state is not doing a good job of taking care of the children it's supposed to be taking care of but speaking of that legislative session what's happening you know we have less than a month left in that session is there any momentum any action being taken to address some of these problems that that you've highlighted well so one of the things that um we that i focus on in this story is that there's actually a move in the legislative session in the legislature by the texas senate to um to pass legislation that would in all likelihood increase the number of transfers of of um, youth from tjjd to the adult prison system um one of which um, so both of these bills have already passed the Senate, and one is the the major sunset bill, which is essentially, you know, every 10 years, at least um, every state agency goes under review and lawmakers decide how and if it should continue to exist. Um, and so you have to pass this bill or else TJJD would just cease to exist. Um, mm -hmm. It's one of those must pass bills. Mm -hmm. So in that bill from the Senate side, um, there was language that would essentially um, move more, it would move more TJJD detainees 
to the adult system, essentially saying you become eligible for like that TJGD, oh, it's hard for me to say that, TJGD <laughs> must require, um, like it takes away their discretion. It must request a, tran a transfer hearing for anyone in their facilities over 16 who um, has been found to have assaulted a police, uh, a peace officer, which is their um, prison officers. So that is a situation where TJJD now, you know, again, if I push back when I'm being restrained, they have the discretion to say like, okay, we're not going to like, this is a, this is a reaction to something that's going on with you, but it's not so aggressive that we need to um, transfer you to the adult prison system. And it would take away that discretion to make it go before the judge. Um, another, another bill that has passed the Senate and some of its language would essentially um, make more youth eligible for transfer. So right now you have to commit one of certain crimes or having multiple felonies to be eligible for this transfer. And this would say um, way more, way more, it would open it up to be way more uh, crimes that would make you eligible, including a, a single a, a assault against a prison officer. So it would likely increase these transfers. Um, and it's unclear, it hasn't moved. One of the one of the bills hasn't moved in the House and the Sunset Bill was actually reworked in the House committee to take that language out. So it's really unclear how these things are gonna um, pan out the rest of the session. But the, on the Senate side, at least, there is bipartisan agreement that there needs to be more um, more pathways to from TJJD to TDCJ because they're saying TJJD is so um, is just so overburdened. All right. Well, it's something that we will be closely watching over the next month. Uh, thank you, Julie, for joining us, and thank you for your reporting on this. Um, thank you to our producer, Justin. And thank you for our sponsors, uh, the Texas Medical Association, Raise Your Hand Texas, Texans Care for Children, and Texas Conference for Women. We'll talk to you all again later this week. Join us on May 9th in Midland and online for a conversation with experts about water infrastructure in Texas and what it will take to keep the state's water safely flowing. RSVP at texastribune.org slash events.